You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castrone. What's up, Biab? That's not even close to my name. It's Biab. <sighs> How are you doing, Dan? This is uh, this is something new. The sun is up. Day drinking, baby. Day drinking. In Day a, drinking. In a rented garage. We are doing it right, my friend. This is the world that we dreamt about when we were little boys. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. Not bad. I like I like day drinking. It's one of my favorite activities in the world. <laughs> it really is. Uh, because, I don't know, there's something about the sunlight and a good buzz mm-hmm. and, and how those things mix. And you're sticking with Tito's during the day? Daytime Tito's? No, this is actually... Oh. Don Julio, black tequila. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a Rage Against the Machine podcast, so I figured I need to get a little loose. (laughs) I am sticking, I'm drinking a Pacifico, a perfect daytime beer. It is. One of the best. In fact, I might pair uh, my tequila with a Pacifico if we have any left in the fridge. You are going to yell at your kids when they come home. (laughs) This is going to be a drunk dad. I said do your homework. (laughs) They're five and three. We don't know what homework is, Dad. <laughs> Do it! Oh, my God. Uh, you're now deeper into your 40s, Bob. I mean, every day I get deeper into my 40s. So what's that like? It's awful. Oh, my God. You know, there's a lot of buildup to it, mm-hmm. and then it gets worse. Like, I thought it would be like turning 30, where it was like, your late 20s, there's a lot of talk about barreling towards 30. And then you hit 30, and then you're kind of like the baby of the 30s. And like you're looking around, there's a lot of people in their 30s. But being 40, being 40 is different. Being 40 means you're 40. Do you th- have you seen a, a younger woman yet and realized how grotesque it is to even have the thought that you'd want to be with her seeing as she's 23 and you're in your 40s? I don't look at other women, just in case this is one of the episodes my wife does listen to. But um, that's been happening for years. I mean, we've been gross and out. We've talked about this. We're yeah. We're disgusting old men, regardless of what number is in front of our age. It's yeah. It's been over. It's been. Oh, it's been over. Yep. But you know, what am I to do? Not be forty and like I'm forty now. This is. Oh, it. you. There is a way to not be forty. Yeah. Are we gonna burn down the garage. No, well, with me in it. I don't want you to destroy my property. There's other ways to do it. I just watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Okay. It's very uh, gripping. Maybe you check it out. Nah. Um, don't hang yourself, Bob. <laughs> I'm not going to hang myself. Okay, good. Uh, yes, Please. this is a little day drinking in the garage, and we're going to do a little Rage Against the Machine, uh, which won, I believe, a listener's poll. It did. It won our poll back in November. We put up uh, four different bands, four different rock and roll This acts. is going to get me so mad because I know I'm going to enjoy the other three more. And my listeners and our listeners will have let us down once again. Well, you're coming in hot as all of a sudden anti-rage. <laughs> I feel like every episode we've done in the last two years, we've talked about how we like them more now, how it's going to we'll be We'll get cool. into it. I, I have my <laughs> reasons. But man, oh man, 
this this tequila is not doing rage <laughs> Tom Morello or Zach De La Rocha any favors right now. Or the guy that climbed up on the stage at the VMAs and tried to pull down the. So here's what we had. We had nine inch Whatever nails. Whatever it was. Nine inch nails. Whole My Chemical Romance and Rage Against the Machine. And just for the record, for was the it close, not even close. Rage doubled up My Chem. Whole Nine Inch Nails came in last place. Nine Inch Nails, the newly elected Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Nine Inch Nails came in last. I thought it was going to be a two horse race with maybe Trent Reznor pulling ahead and finishing on top, but that is not even close to what happened. Does Nine Inch Nails? belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's a good question. Don't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so I'm not going to have that debate. Well, I, I understand that it's a silly place as well, but I'm just trying to think, were they a big deal long enough? Down on the upside, the downward spiral, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then what? That, uh, they had that good one. Down on the upside, was it called? No, that, that was Soundgarden, wasn't it? Right. <laughs> you're not going to look it up. <laughs> oh, Pre- okay, I could do that. Pretty Hate Machine. It's the first time you're not on Wikipedia <laughs> since we started this podcast. Uh, no, they were around. They had that, you know, Trent oh, Reznor. I know they were around. They were, they were on that soundtrack. Listen, Trent Reznor, you might not, it might not matter to you, Bob, but Trent Reznor on Rock Hall of Fame induction. I'm pretty freaked out. <laughs> so it means something to him. Perfect Drug was a great song. Great song. And isn't he always a little freaked out? He's Trent Reznor. He's Are we sure they didn't win the poll? Wait a second. <laughs> Let me just shake the computer a little bit. Numbers. Let's see. Pretty Hate Machine, Downward Spiral, The Fragile. Oh, boy. With Teeth. Years, yeah. With I, Teeth I was know. good. Hall of Fame, though? Okay. Rage Against the Machine, Hall of Fame? Meh. Probably. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll get into it. See, now you're into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> you're going to make me fight for a rage, then I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different. So we were looking at their albums and trying to figure out which one to do and uh, decided to kind of tackle it from a different angle. I went to a Red ra- flag. I went to a Rage Against the Machine concert in 1999. <laughs> so let's do that. Let's do the concert I went to. Okay. And okay. talk about... Uh, Talk about a whole bunch of their different albums, their different songs, and just uh, play the hits, as they say. There are other artists that would have fared well in this this exercise as well that we've done. Now that I think about right. it, right? This could. Why be... does Rage get this to get this type of uh, treatment? Well, it's two 2000- thousand saving it from a, a a really ugly fate of potentially us listening to an album we didn't love. Do you want more ugly episodes? Is that what you're angling for? <laughs> I think we may have stumbled upon something here. That in the future, we'll see if this works. This could be a disaster, but in the future, if this works, we could do other bands that we've seen in concert. And rather than just pick an album, right. do like a specific concert we saw thanks to setlist.fm. Um, this podcast between you and I is a partnership, and that's why we're doing it this way. But I am on record, both off the air and now on mic, that I believe we should have chose an album and just seen where the band was at that moment. This is a more fun way to get into a lot of their songs so i see where you're coming from Mm. um but this will be um a good way to dig into the whole discography as they say sure and you know this wasn't like us picking songs at random this was the rage against the machine the battle of los angeles tour in 1999 where i saw them at the baltimore arena in baltimore maryland how'd you end up at a uh, a rage against the machine oh we'll talk about all of that but to do that first we have to go back 
to December 2nd, 1999. Mm. You know what was happening in December, Dan? Let's see. December 99. Uh, was Bill Clinton getting impeached? Then? <laughs> Wasn't he always getting impeached? Uh, no, that, no, that would have been the summer. No, I don't know anything about 99. Uh Jay-Z stabbed a record executive at a nightclub in New York. No, he didn't. We forget about that now. That was a big news story back then. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Sean Carter. Stabbed a dude. Beyonce's husband. Yep. Stabbed a man. Overshadowed later that month when Puff Daddy and fellow rapper Shine were arrested for weapons violence. Shine. <laughs> That's how you say it. <laughs> oh, my God. Liam and Shine should do an album together. They should. That'd be amazing. Uh... Also that month, Boris Yeltsin resigned as president of Russia. Didn't take. Leaving Prime Minister Vladimir Putin acting oh, president. Oh, how about that? Whatever happened to that guy? Whoa. A lot of... Good little geopolitical dive there. A lot of uh, quality movies came out that month. Perhaps none better than Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo. Ah, Schneider. Well, we, we're more uh, Team Catan on the well, show. Well, clearly, if there was ever like a throwdown, Catan v. Schneider. Although he, I will give... Schneider credit for his catchphrase. You can do it. That was good. It was probably Adam Sandler's catchphrase that he gave to Schneider. Probably. 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 Other movies that month, The Green Mile, which I remember. You can do it. I could see you really being into The Green Mile. I saw it in the theater. Me too. Um, I believe it's one of those movies that did not age as well. And it's that the uh, famous um, trope in films in the 90s which was the the magical black man right. who makes everything right and helps the white protagonist see the error of his ways. Right. Played by... Michael Clark Duncan. Tiny Lister. <laughs> no, no so that's that's not good. Michael, you're, you're thinking No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. That's what you were yes, thinking yes, of. Yes, right. Yes. No, Green Mile. I mean, I don't know what AMC would do for programming if the Green Mile had not been made. It's Needed still, it. It's still on every three days. Needed it. Needed that in Shawshank. Finally, uh, Girl Interrupted, Any Given Sunday, Man on the Moon, and Magnolia. Magnolia just got put on Netflix, and I highly, um, I highly uh, suggest people check it out if you haven't in a long time. Okay, Boomer. Um, <laughs> hey, do you want to? Uh, we haven't done this in a couple of years. Cover of Maxim Magazine, December 1999. We are in prime Maxim Magazine territory. I'm going to say, because she put out an album... And was really big this year. And Inc- she, ha- she had a, already incorrect. She had a big it. single about the millennium. Uh, so I'm going to say waiting for tonight. J-Lo. Still incorrect. <laughs> well, will it help? Does it help at all if I tell you? It was Drew the, Carey? It was the annual lingerie spectacular. Uh, I don't remember them having that. But <laughs> Apparently it seemed pointless did. for Maxim. But Lara Flynn Boyle on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah, that was uh, that was it to end 1999. That was their choice to put on the cover. December 99. All right, hang on. Was she was she with Jack Nicholson at the time? I think she was, and that actually explains it all. Oh, don't look, Stacy. Where? Oh God, I made eye contact. Psycho hose beast. This is the best of Lara Flynn Boyle. Happy anniversary, Wayne. Stacy, we broke up two months ago. Well, that doesn't mean we can't still go out. Well, it does, actually. That's what breaking up is. Will, are you going to go to the gas works tonight? No. No! Don't you want to open your present? If it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. Open it. 
Okay. What is it? It's a gun rack. A gun rack? A, a gun rack. Yeah, right. I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? <laughs> you don't like it? I, I mean... I never even remembered Ugly Kid Joe playing underneath that entire scene. That was great. Again, I'm going to stump for like the third straight episode for a reimagining and another look at the legacy of Mike Myers, who is a total clown uh, to people now. A, a has been a guy that was funny at a different time in uh, pop culture and no longer should be valued. Well, ah, gun rack. You never did anything quite like that. <laughs> All right. I mean, this podcast is slowly transitioning into a Mike Myers fan appreciation <laughs> podcast. To me, that sounds like a great podcast. I would listen to that. Like you wouldn't listen to the So I Married an Axe Murder episode? That's oh, a fucking great I'm episode. all in on that. Let's do it. The number one song in Canada. Ladies and gentlemen. When I went to see Rage Against the Machine. Five. Here we go, Canada. Shame on you, Canada. This song was not popular here. No, we never heard it. One, two, three, four, five. Everybody in the car, so come on, let's ride to the liquor store around the corner. The boys say they want some gin and juice, but I really don't wanna. Beer buzz like I had last week. I must stay deep, cause talk is cheap. I like Angela, Pamela, Sandra, and Rita. And as I continue, you know they're getting sweeter. So what can I do? I really bag you, my lord. To me, flirting is just like a sport. Anything fly, it's all good. Let me jump in, please in the trumpet. A little bit of Monica there we go. in my yeah. life. A little bit of Erica by my side. A little bit of Rita. I can picture in late 1999, a young... Just newly rich Paul Walker in his Hollywood Hills home, just plowing through Hollywood. And this being his little inside joke to himself that he would always play this like while he was banging. <laughs> R.I.P. Paul Walker. Nothing I just said is an insult to Paul Walker Not at or all. his legacy. No. Actually the opposite. If I found out that that was a thing, like if I read a Paul Walker biography, which I totally would read, and... Um, that came out in it, I would respect the man even more. I'd put the book down and I'd just look out and over the horizon and just like nod my head and smile. And Paul. PW, baby. Right, Do you baby. remember the, um, the Paul Walker theory of believability? What was that again? It was a game we used to play before he passed away. Dad. Why was it so hard for you to say Because <laughs> whenever I say passed, you always smile like... Um, it's just kind of funny when someone I know would never say that term in real life. I know. He's talking to a microphone. He's like, Paul Walker passed away. But if you were just talking to me, yeah, yeah, before he burned alive in the car crash. I, well, no, wait a minute. I'm, I'm an awful person. Uh, before he kicked the bucket back in 2020, yeah. um, we had a bit that we would do where we realized any story you told about Paul Walker was 100% believable. Oh, right. Because right. he wasn't the most famous guy in the world. So if you made something up, it just sounded right. Like I had a story about how I was like down in the Bahamas. No, I was down in Florida and I entered a ping pong tournament at the hotel I was staying at. And who was there but fucking Paul Walker. Of course, P-dubs. So me and Paul Walker, we were uh, 
we ended up in the finals against each other. And uh, we were tied 17-17. And then I got four in a row and I won. And the second I beat him, he put down his paddle, shrugged and said, I would have won if I brought my own paddle from home. And then he walked away. <laughs> Fucking Paul Walker. And people would believe any well, Paul Walker nothing, story you told. Yeah, everything checks out there. <laughs> I, I said it enough to the point where I think it might have actually happened. In its own way, yeah, the Lou Bega Mambo Number no. 5 story, that kind of checks out too. It's like, oh, I could see him being like feeling himself and yeah. having some fun up in the hills. Yeah. No, that's a true story. It really happened. Fucking Paul Walker. Fucking Paul Walker, man. When he died and I told Heather... She was like, oh, you with this Paul Walker thing. I was like, no, no, he really he died. Like, she would not believe. <laughs> like, this is a terrible way to play the game. Very dark version of the Paul Walker game. <laughs> very, got very dark. It is pretty weird that he was most famous for the Fast and the Furious, and then he died in a car crash. It is. A Porsche driving fast and furious. It would be like you dying while podcasting. You know what? That doesn't seem like a horrible fate. <laughs> because it's time to dig in to Bob's concert. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. Set it up for me, baby. So here we are, December 99. We are sophomores in college. We are, wow, we are about to celebrate the millennium with a horrible night out in Boston yep. a month later. Yep. So we are sophomores still living. I was still living in the dorm. Mm-hmm. And the guy across the hall from me, Liar Steve, said, hey, I've got two tickets to a uh, Rage Against the Machine. He was supposed to go with a friend of his who was like a big Rage fan. Wait, did you believe him? Because his no, name I, is Liar Steve. I don't think I did believe him. I think I, I figured we would end was up... Was he in, just... He was untruthful much of the time? We'll get into it. So I figured like when we got to Baltimore, when we got to the arena, he wouldn't have tickets or something. But it turned out he actually did have tickets. And uh, his friend bailed. So he's like, do you want to go? And it was like $40. It was like way more money than I had in 1999. Sure. Maybe it was like $30. And it was like, oh my God. Oh, I can't believe Liar Steve is going to make me pay for it. But I guess I already told him I would go. So you're in a tough spot with Liar Steve in a tough spot. So went down there at the drive in was the opening act. Mm-hmm. Remember them? One arm scissor. Great song. So that was kind of cool. I liked that song at the time. <laughs> but, you asked me to play that. I mean, if you had it, if you had it queued up. No. Why would you? <laughs> um, and then Rage came out, and we uh, we were upper deck. We were not anywhere close. So it was like a legit arena show. It was a legit Baltimore arena, yeah. And uh, I'm excited to transport back to that day when I was 19. What's like more a- than more than half a lifetime ago? <laughs> what what is a Baltimore arena like? Because they, I don't really imagine I've ever even seen one because there's no NBA team. There's no hockey team. So what did it serve for the public just for Rage Against the Machine concerts? That was it, yeah. Yeah, they, they built it for Rage. This is, for you, this is One Arm Scissor by At The Driver. Yes, this is the campaign slithered in sales in the cargo bay. If I was like a guy going to the Rage concert... And I was kind of like, a, you know, a fan, but didn't know them too well. And then the opening act came out and was like, I've heard about the drive-in. And then it was just another guy talking over the verses before <laughs> screaming in the chorus. I'm like, come on. Well, that's what you're about to get. Give me some singing in the <laughs> verses, bro.
All right, I'm going to make you an offer. I will do this episode alone if you sit in the corner and listen to Mambo Number no. 5 on repeat. <laughs> uh, I did hesitate for a moment, but no, I'm in. Because the truth is, is that I like a lot of these Rage songs. Yeah, so you do. I will, um, I will uh, be all in, starting with track one, Testify. Oh, yeah, up there, upper deck, Liar Steve to my right. Looking down, miserable. I just spent thirty-five dollars. Here we go. Wait, it's thirty-five. It was. It was. It was a lot of money. Cause oh, big difference between forty and thirty-five. You're right. I want to think about this. start love this song one of my favorite ratum songs that's what i call them yeah, <laughs> ratum it's a real ratum head i understand yep. that um tom morello is one of my favorite guitars speaking of guitarist news bob did you hear the big news about southern california's own red hot chili peppers yes i Prashante's did is back in again i mean again that has to be the best way you could have started <laughs> this next decade is knowing that he's back for you Every time Prashante rejoins the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they put out their best album. This is going to be I am not ready for the another, decade of the Peppers. I am not ready for another decade of Red Hot Chili Peppers. It just, it just guaranteed. Like I bet, I bet Kiedis and Flea turned over like 35 to 50% of their future royalties, knowing that it would still, in the end, keep them further in the black to have one more 17 million album seller. I know, you're right. This part's cool. Oh, yeah. Were you wearing your bucket hat? This is a big bucket hat time. This for was you, prime bucket hat days. <laughs> I don't Bob know. Bob had like a corduroy bucket hat that he wore often in the late 90s. I often is a bit strong. With a South Park t-shirt and uh, typically shorts. There's one photo of me in that exact <laughs> outfit, which is why you're saying that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I would have been self-conscious wearing the bucket hat around all these ratum heads. Total. You know, so I probably... In the rat nest, in the ratum nest. I probably, if anything, I probably emphasized my super cool cartilage piercing. Like <laughs> maybe I put in like the hoop instead of the stud, you know? Ooh, mixing yeah. it up. Didn't that get infected at one point? I mean, they always do when you get your ear pierced. Uh, yeah. Rough. But I remember it did give you some credit, TGI Fridays. Oh, yeah, totally. Got me all the ladies. Tom Morello is, like John Frusciante, one of my favorite guitarists, and... Uh, just a 
example of what makes him so unique, I just want to go back to the beginning of that song and I want to read to you how he makes the guitar sound and tone at the beginning of the song. All right, hear that? It's almost like a wave going in and out. Mm-hmm. Morello plays the sweeping sound in the song's intro and verse using a mixture of effects and techniques. First, he sets a Digitech whammy pedal to harmonize a minor seventh above the note being played, and the delay pedal is set to a short slapback setting that almost sounds like reverb. Morello creates the sound by simply picking the open low D string and use. Take note, Bob, because you have a guitar. No, I'm, writing this, I'm, I'm writing this all down. And using his wah wah pedal to slowly shift back and forth between the bass and treble frequencies. For the s- song solo, Morello r- removes the lead from the jack of his guitar. You got all this, Bob? And taps it against the bridge while manipulating his whammy. You were manipulating your whammy before you came here, Bob. Yep. yep. And wah pedals, creating a squealing noise. This is all stuff I'm doing at home as I'm learning how to play guitar. Awesome song, Gorilla Radio, made its live debut on September 11th, 1999, Bob. Huh. Put it on the board. On the board. And this also is right in the peak era of Napster, so I have a little note for you here, Bob. This song is one of 31 music files in the Sony BMG vs. Tenenbaum case, which resulted in finding the individual file share, I assume his name is Tenenbaum, Carl Tenenbaum, let's put a name, first name to it, liable for copyright infringement in July 2009, demanding an award of $22,500 per song. You stupid record labels. <laughs> All right, listen to uh, Murillo's uh, solo okay. here. Sounds like a harmonica, but that's, that's so his cool. guitar. How it's, did he do, Bob? Take us through the uh, the steps as a guitar. Well, there's you know there's the whammy, like yep. you said. Got the whammy and the amp, and he's he's. Did he pull the jack out on that? Pulled the jack out, yep. kind of like kind of slapping it a little bit. Slap the jack. Slapping the jack a little bit. It's um, 
That's a crazy amount of money per song, but not as crazy as the amount I spent to go see them in concert. I found an old concert ticket online from the tour. Yeah. $26, $26 ticket, mm-hmm. $6 Ticketmaster ticket fee. fee. Yep. So we're up to 32 Uh-oh. I mean, throwing, probably had to split parking. Ouch. You know? So parking, yeah. This is at an era when I would go. But we're to, down to thirty-two bucks now. Yeah, so it's thirty-two. That's not too bad. Thirty-two fifty. Oh, and then an additional dollar fifty donated to, donated to charity. But you declined that, as I recall. Can't, can't, gotta. I freed Mumia. I think. I think that extra dollar fifty freed Mumia, and uh, yeah. So this was back in the day when I would go to an ATM on like a Friday, take out twenty dollars, be like, I'm good for the week. <laughs> like that was it. Like it, yes. was, it was like, I know I'll spend $5 at a keg party. I know we'll probably all order pizza and throw in like $4 each. Yeah. Then, you know, 11, Make it last. $11 to just like hang. Um, Gorilla radio is featured on the album body of war songs that inspired an Iraq war veteran. Any comments on that? Bob? None. Here's the problem with the record labels. They were in such a panic to come out after individual like teenagers. Yeah, bad spot. Bad, wow, bad what move. a look! What a look! And then Lars well, of yeah, Metallica who say, came after me as a teenager, others. as a teenager who lost everything thanks to Metallica. Dan, this hits you very close. Um, well, they couldn't. That's that's what was so stupid about it. They couldn't even take when Metallica and Lars booted me off Napster. They couldn't take your files because they were on your hard drive. So they just banned you from the site. And it was just like, what are we doing here? Stupid. Stupid. They deserved oh, everything they yes. got. I like this one. Wait a minute. I like, what a great start to a concert. They're doing a nice job. So I think, having been to many concerts in my life, mm-hmm. this is the way to go. You start out with three big fucking roundhouse kicks to the head and just get everybody pumped up. Because I've been to shows where they save the hits or it's one and then it's two or three new ones and then whatever. Three in a row to start. If you can do it, do it. I agree. This is a great way to start it, and I I can't disagree. However, I think there's one way to really, and it's hard to do because it doesn't happen a lot, but if you could be an established band that has eight to ten well-known, well-known songs in the tank, 
But if you're touring behind a current album that's done really well and has mm-hmm. hits, if you could bang out, open with a new song, bang out like a greatest hit, and then do like two or three more new songs that people love, and then you have the whole back half of the concert to just load up on greatest hits, that's another way to do it. Yeah, well, that's... I love that move, too. You need a ton of hits. You're, you're probably thinking of that Irish band that you like. Cranberries. The, the Cranberries. Uh, the Thrills. Um, we should do the... Thr- can we do the Thrills right now? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> so tell me when um, it all went wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many hits they had at this point. Maybe eight sounds about right, but... To start in out, that neighborhood. Start out with three. You know, you can see some people being a little precious with their hits, being like, I'm going to save them for later. But no, come I'm out with three. Think, did, I think we saw Weezer, and they did a similar j- good job with this, right? Didn't they? Yeah, they had a great set. They, well, they just were started just, rolling. They were just playing the hits. They didn't play anything that wasn't a hit at that concert, which is also, I think, not the best, because you do, as a fan, and I'm more of a fan than you are, right. have those songs that you want to hear. fan service ones, yeah. Right. Like when he, going back to the Weezer concert we went to a year or two ago, at one point, he goes from the A stage and he finds like a little satellite B stage where maybe he could do, give me like a deep cut that Weezer fans love. Uh, that Butterfly song or something? Holiday. Holiday. Um, that would have been great. But in that spot, he did Aha, Take On Me cover. Right. It's like, how about we do a little Holiday there? Yeah. A little uh, no, but they, That show was very specific. It was like, we're playing the hits, we're playing covers, we're just like putting on a show. Right. We're doing an arena show. Yes. Um, let's take a quick break, Bob, to check in with, have you ever wondered what the follow-up to Mambo number five was by Lou Vega? Never in my life have I put a single second of thought into that. Well, it was a song called I Got a Girl. Let's check it out. I Got a Girl. (laughs) Not that one. Not that one. I hope there was. He's got a girl in Paris. He's got a girl in Rome. He's even got a girl in the Vatican. Wait, it's the same song. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wait, this same song. It's the same song. Is that the other song? A little bit of But in this one, he started with the number six. <laughs> Lou Vega could sue himself. Right, let's hear the chorus. Hang on. Some called Jenny. I got a girl in Paris. I got a girl in Rome. I got a little, 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 little. I got a girl in Vatican Dome. I got a girl right here. I got a girl. It's the same song, same music, with different words. He's banging a girl that lives in the Vatican. Like Yo, a nun. Who would who would still fuck Lou Bega without getting tested at this point? Like. <laughs> He's fucking he's a very lot. Open about he's it. very open about it. He's very open about his intense sexuality. Hey, Lou Bega, just pee in this cup first. <laughs> I gotta pee in the cup tonight. <laughs> All right. Is this right, more Lou Bega? Is this Lou Bega? <laughs> Lou Bega? Yeah, he, he did a little change of direction. <laughs> Oh, did you know that Lou Vega's dead? No. Holy shit. No. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I was going to say. 
I would know that. So during this song, you know, 1999 was a long time ago. I can't tell you precisely what I was thinking, but I know I was looking out of the corner of my eye and thinking, fuck you, liar, Steve. What am I doing here? (laughs) I would say that 1999 Bob and Rage Against Machine concert, not a natural fit. No, I mean, my favorite bands at the time were probably still Everclear and Weezer. And Cake. And cake and, and Pearl, Counting Crows. Pearl Jam and the Counting Crows. <laughs> well, I give you credit for expanding kind of like what you were into. Yeah. Time. Well, so Liar Steve. So I lived in a small dorm at Towson, Towson University called West Hall, which has been raised. And now there's nothing there. It's just completely. That is, that's really symbolic. Yep. So, um, but it was a tiny dorm with like boys on one floor, girls on the second floor. And that was it. And we had a corner room. You were yeah, there. but I bet you you put a bore tunnel from uh, one floor to the next. Oh yeah! Why baby. are you doing your Rodney oh, Dangerfield cooch? <laughs> oh my god, a tunnel? That's I don't even know. Number one, why you had to do the Rodney Dangerfield voice for that? It wasn't like a concise like play on words or anything. You actually, um, the tunnel went right into the middle of the girls' hallway. Okay, and then you put basically like a welcome mat over the hall, over the hall, and the girls would just fall down into your area. Oh my god, that's a crime. And they would even, never be seen again. Even in 1999, that's a crime. Eh, it's a demerit. <laughs> it's a, yeah, exactly. The RA would be like, yeah. Bob. I'll write you up next time there's a dead body in your arm. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So we had this, uh, it was me and Alan, the Shaquille O'Neal fan, and, of his music, not the basketball player. Uh, by the way, Alan sent Yeah, we got to talk. <laughs> what, what seemed to be, when I received it in the mail like two days before Christmas, a... A deranged fan um, mail pa- package. Yeah, that I worried there would be some white powder in it or a bomb. <laughs> uh, opened it up and it was. But you didn't know it was from Alan. It was just did like not a, know yeah. who it was from. It didn't say who it was from. It was some made up name. And then inside was the complete 1989 Tops uh, baseball cards Dodger set, mm-hmm. and the uh, also there was a Shack CD. Two Shack CDs. Two Shack CDs. Have you listened to them? I don't have a CD player. <laughs> That's where we're at. Oh, man. Well, we got we to gotta digitize those for you. So anyway, Alan, thank you, but I don't get any of it, and um, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Thank so, you for thinking of us, though. So um, I was living with Alan. The dorm room right across the hall, there was this kid, Steve, and met Steve on the very first day. It's like a like, you know, good-looking kid from Maryland. Was he truthful, Steve, at that point? He could have been. He was a lot of promise, Steve. <laughs> Honest Steve. <laughs> Bursting with promise, Steve. <laughs> Benefit of the doubt, Steve. So I walked into his room and uh, like, hey, I'm Bob. I'm going to go buy a bucket hat and get my ear pierced. What's up? You know, just trying to like fit in and be and start my new life as like a new person in college, freshman year. Right. And um, he was like, oh, I'm liar. I'm, I'm truthful, Steve. <laughs> so we started talking and he points to this poster he has on his wall. Uh-oh. And it's like one of these posters you can buy at Spencer's. It's like yeah. an alien. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I designed that. Like that's, um, I'm like, I think I'm going to be an art major. I don't know. Like I designed that poster. And I was like, oh, cool. Oh, no. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do like TV and film. And he's like, oh, cool. I, I wrote a screenplay. 
I was like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, it's a friend of mine. He's a producer. So like right off the bat, my very first conversation hit me with like two or three tall tales where I was like, right. wow, this kid's really interesting. <laughs> wow. So yeah. And what would, you would have no reason to think he was lying. So you're thinking you got a real find here. And yeah. Like this friend. kid's really interesting. He's like good looking dude that. That's the second time you mentioned he's good looking. Well, I think it's important because, yeah, just, you know, he was able time of experimentation. I know he too. was able to, he was able to woo people. I think with his like mysterious good looks. <laughs> so, uh, Dan has walked away to get more, more booze. Um, so we learned over the course of that semester, cause I, you know, we became friends with him. We had like a little group that quickly formed. Everybody would have these stories that Steve would tell them. And then when you would connect, it's like, did Steve tell you that he was, um, like he broke his ribs doing motocross and he saved a guy's life, like on the, thing and then he was like banned for life from motocross and it's like no i didn't hear that story and it's like oh did he tell you like his nickname in high school was canyon because he was mountain climbing and he fell into like this little canyon and uh had to like climb his way out of it it's like no never so we realized after like a few weeks like holy shit this guy's full of shit Mm -hmm. like this guy is just like trying to fit in he's making up all these stories and they're increasingly getting more and more insane he was at the time hooking up with tall kelly who was like one of the prettiest girls in the dorm was she actually tall or was she, she was very she was too? very tall <laughs> he was like she's really tall and we're like dude she's like five three <laughs> yeah he was hooking up with tall kelly who was part of our group and um we were like kelly you gotta you gotta talk to him about this and she was like we should all do it so we had like a liar steve intervention towards the end of the first semester. Oh my God. Yeah. This is like very dramatic. It's like very like real world 1990s. Where yeah. You have, like, you have like interventions about things that are just stupid. Um, I'm looking up pathological liars and yeah. the, why they do it. Uh, may result from a mental condition such, such as antisocial personality disorder, uh, while others appear to have no medical reason for the behavior. Yeah. I don't know if it was medical. I think he just really wanted to be cool. Well, definitely it's a sign of someone with like very low self-esteem. Right. Which is weird because did I mention he was good looking? <laughs> like how many times did you fuck him? I mean, <laughs> ask him. He'll tell you the truth. Uh, anyway, so you're at the concert with Liar Steve. Yeah. And by this point, our relationship was a little bit frayed, but he was still one of my good friends. Wait, when you when you sat him down and you demanded um, accountability on the lies. Did he own up to it? Or he did, did he lie some more. I think he, I think he did. And then he ended up lying more as the year went on. But I think that was like a turning point in everybody's relationship with him. Cause he started kind of realized like the jig was up. Mm-hmm. So we were all a little more critical of what he was saying. Did he stay in the picture till through senior year? No, but through sophomore year, you know, I actually had to move on to a new social group so he could totally. start the process once more. Yep. And his name was Donald Trump. Oh my God! It doesn't even. That's how you tie it all together, and you make a little political joke. He would have. He would have had the best Paul Walker stories. (laughs) Here is Bolt in the Hay. Lost their minds. 
just victims of the in-house drive-by They say jump, you say how high Yeah Just victims of the in-house drive-by They say jump, you say how high Rage is one of the um, unassailable bands when we were in high school and college where if you said you were a fan of Rage Against the Machine, there was no fear of blowback. Oh, no. Nobody would like give you shit for it. They were kind of shit-proof yeah. in that way. Uh, which would have been, if you were looking to say a band that, just to get someone to not ask you about your favorite music because it might make you uncomfortable, just say Rage Against the Machine. They're like, oh, cool. I like Rage, too. Yeah. Nobody would. Nobody would. I like Rage. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool, cool. And they move on. Yeah, That'd like I yeah. didn't like Rage in high school, but I definitely never said that out loud. Maybe, maybe to you. Maybe as you and I were listening to August and everything after together, we'd be like, I don't like Rage Against the Machine. Here's a good question. Do you think there was anyone else? Let's say there were 12,000 people in that arena that night. Do you think there was anyone else that had all three of the County Crows albums <laughs> and the live album, four albums at right. that point? No, I was the only one. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. That's cool in its own way. I feel like that's an achievement that showed that you were truly unique. Yep. As I was getting my ass kicked in the parking lot afterwards, <laughs> I would have been like, wait a minute. That didn't happen, but I'm, I'm taking a page out of Liar Steve's book. I'm just going to make up a more interesting version of what happened. We should do one podcast on the show where we lie the entire time and never own up to any of it. And it will just be our secret liar. Steve episode. Oh my God. I remember, I just remembered liar. Steve said he was a tour guide at the Washington monument. And <laughs> that's then, not even a good lie. There's and then cool no, he would that. lie about anything. And then one night we were playing like trivial pursuit or something. And a question about the Washington monument came up and he got it wrong. Mm. And he was like, that's not right. And like, he wouldn't back down. He was like, that's actually incorrect. Like I, I was there. Like I know, it's this high. It's that's that's whatever, whoever wrote that down is wrong. I wonder if that behavior grew as he got older. Like if it went to a darker place, like starting to pretend he had an illness or some other thing that kind of ratcheted up what he was doing. Well, I don't know the guy, but that feels like if there were telltale signs of someone leading to that behavior where they're saying I have a I have stage four cancer or something to yeah. get sympathy and love. That seems like something Liar Steve would do. Yeah. Well, you know what, Dan? It led him to the presidency because Liar Steve is Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. And guess what? Rule of threes, bitches. So another <laughs> one's coming. All right. Here we L- go. Let's get into this concert. Where are we? There's <laughs> Ghost of Tom Jones. All right. I definitely didn't know that this was a cover. Uh, yes. This is a Bruce Springsteen's, Bruce Springsteen song during his quiet, under the radar slash. Um, just off the public grid 90s era when he, he put out this album in 1995 called The Ghost of Tom Jode and this was a song off that but it sounds very different than the Rage version let's listen to the Rage version
So the Springsteen version is a very quiet folk song. He's not rapping? He's not rapping in it. There's no screaming. Uh, but something very cool happened about eight years ago uh, when Springsteen, Springsteen was incredibly prolific uh, from about 2001 to 2014 or 15. And um, he toured a lot. And, and at least one tour, and maybe even two, Tom Morello just joined the E Street Band. Yeah, and that's he so cool. um, traveled with the band and played every night. And um, I saw him play with them twice. Um, and they always did this song. And it was kind of a, the arrangement was closer to this version, but it was also very true to Springsteen. It's a very uh, kind of cool hybrid of the song. But also some of the Springs, the newer Springsteen material that Morello was also playing on the albums. Uh, that Springsteen was putting out at that time, uh, you could hear Morello's guitar because it's so you know signature, and it made the songs better. Like they were a really right. nice team, and they really played off each other well uh, during that period of Springsteen's career. There's a there's a place in the dad bods for Tom Morello if he's interested. I don't know, Bob, because if you want to be the guitarist, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, that puts you in a very vulnerable spot. Do you think he could play bass? I don't know. Maybe he could just shift over. <laughs> hey, uh, Tom, you want to play keyboards and dad bots? <laughs> I'd be practicing in my rented garage up in Pasadena. Come what on. What about Zach De La Rocha? Because I feel like he's got time. Yeah. Are and they getting back together today? Here's they something. are. They're doing Coachella. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, especially since Coachella's mostly pop and hip-hop now so it's nice that people care enough that they're headlining one of the nights needed that yeah uh, here's a great one off the battle of los angeles sleep now in the They did a good job with, uh, maybe they didn't have one album that had all the hits, but this is a superior way to do it. If you gave me the choice to have one amazing album or have two hits every two to three years for 10 years, yeah. I'd choose that. I agree. That's what they did. Yeah. They were, um, they were good in the 90s. They did some good stuff. Do you remember the music video? 
it was cool, right? It was. Uh, this one got played a lot. Yeah, this was the like the Wall Street, New York Stock Exchange. Oh yeah, mixed up with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, kind of. Yes. You know who directed the video? Who? Michael Moore. Uh, are you sure? Positive. Are you not, it's not Testify. You're thinking of? Nope. Um, because he he directed that video too. Um, yeah, they they really had like a. Um, a really like a unified vision of what they were. I think that's what really helped them politically that obviously they had to be all on the same page. This is not a band where like the band could have uh red state guys and blue state guys. Yeah. They all had to be on the same page in terms of what they were all about. Yeah. There was nobody in the band raising their hand and be like, what if we just had like a girl with big tits on the cover? <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. It was like, what if we just sing a song about legs? Like, no, no, they were not. Did you hear the, um, there was a story recently of a band that was looking to put together a rage against the machine type outfit, but they were white nationalists. So they put an ad in, in like the classified saying, uh, we are uh, white nationalists and we want to do music in the style of rage against the machine. Yes. We know that their oh, music no. is not like what we are believe in politically, but their sound we really enjoy. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Uh, all right. Let's keep moving. How many beers deep are you? Are you able to get beer? Do you have a fake ID at this concert? No. I mean, I had a fake ID, but you I probably... no money either? I mean... Nope, no money. Oh, no. I couldn't have God, this, count, this sounds terrible. Your seats suck. You're next to a pathological liar that's not really your friend. Right. You are watching a band you, you're fine with, but you don't really like. You've spent your entire money for the week... And uh, now the concerts, you know, the, the buzz of the initial part of the show is worn off and you're in the middle of a slog of yep. a, play, a playlist. And here comes a song I've never heard before in my life and wouldn't hear again until tonight. Know Your Enemy? Is this it? Sure. Close enough. Like, you would think Zach De La Rocha would have to live a really Spartan lifestyle, right? Like, he couldn't have, like, right. an incredible mansion with a huge swimming pool and, like, three Hummers in the front. No, you better be. And, like, use all brand name appliances and stuff. Like, he would have to live in a hut somewhere, right? He was music Colin Kaepernick way before Colin Kaepernick. Like, he, he would... if. For this really to get across, or really to to read as honest, I feel like he would have to live a very stripped-down lifestyle, ton of charity work, ton of working with groups that need his assistance. Maybe right. he has. I don't know anything. Sure about, does anybody has. know anything about Zach De La Rocha? Nope. You're not going to get that info on this podcast. <laughs> it's a simple Google search away. And yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just do a little bit more of Know Your Enemy. Like, what would have happened if, not to bring him up again, but did you see at um, the college football championship game, Vince Vaughn get lit up on Twitter because he's captured in a luxury suite speaking with Trump and shaking hands? 
Right. What would happen if the same thing happened with Zach De La Rocha? Oh, my God. What would that well, do to the legacy of the band? Most people wouldn't know who it is, but it would destroy the legacy, right? It reminds me of um, the old Daily Show bit where they had Ed Helms, uh, young Ed Helms, interviewing a guy who was like a Republican punk. It was like this musician who was doing like Republican punk music. And Ed Helms was sitting across from him and asking him like, so so would you say that you're uh, raging for the machine? <laughs> and this guy who has like his face painted like a skull starts like giving this like long-winded reason about how he's actually, because so many people would think that he's actually raging against the machine. And Ed Helms is like, wait, wait. So there are two machines. <laughs> like it was oh like it, just, it was the funniest fucking thing. Um, all right, Bob. Good news. The next song. Not only is it on this playlist when you went and saw the band in Baltimore, it was also on the Godzilla soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's it, what's the name of it? No shelter. I think Matthew Broderick insisted that this is on it. <laughs> he did. Classic Broderick. And his wife, Sarah Jessica Parker, was like, No, honey, stay out of politics. I can't help it. This sounds familiar. Maybe because our friend Mike Dude Love had the Godzilla soundtrack and played it all the time. <laughs> Lights out! Gorilla Radio! <laughs> it kind of sounds like <laughs> kinda all the songs yeah, yeah. I do remember No Shelter. Yeah, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. But there's better versions of this song in their catalog. Yeah, I think Gorilla Radio, like you just sung over it yeah. rudely, was better. Zach De La Roche's We saw We saw Godzilla like opening night in Did the we? theater together, right? I don't know, because I saw it with my dad and my brother. You probably I, saw it. I don't know if I saw it twice. You probably it so saw it twice. Bad. I mean, I saw it in the theater too, so maybe we saw it separately. Yeah, I don't think I saw it twice. Because I remember seeing it and being just appalled by how terrible, terrible. it was. Terrible. Bad movie. Uh, do you want to hear Born of a Broken Man or should we go to Bulls on Parade? Let's go to Bulls on Parade. All right, good. Oh, 
this song was song was so big like mid 90s i was gonna say if you did like a mount rushmore of modern rock songs of the 90s or certainly like 95 to 2000 yeah this absolutely is one of them it was huge probably i mean i don't know if it was their biggest song but to me it feels like their biggest we got one more song um, that's i think would be okay very much in contention to be even bigger but this yeah it's so great. It sounds so great. It still sounds great. Yeah. Um, it still sounds fresh. And it has another incredible um, guitar solo, that which will, will uh, give it the respect it deserves when it comes. But yeah. this is, yeah, I love any music that doesn't sound like anything else. And this is uniquely Rage. Well, you know, not that we ever do any prep on this podcast, but when Rage won the poll, I listened, I pulled up a couple of albums and I was just kind of jumping around listening. And I started like wondering why I never got into them because a lot of what they did with the rap rock sounds like mid nineties Beastie Boys. Yeah, like, this is definitely it's very like sabotagey. Yep. That's the first thing I'm going to learn how to play on guitar. That's it. I'm going to start there. Well, you know how he did it, Bob. You know, but I'll just tell the, the listeners. Right. Uh, it's a vinyl scratch effect used by Tom Morello done by toggling between the two. The two. Pick up. Pick up. One. One. On, on the one cord. off while rubbing right. his hands on the strings. The strings. Over the pickups to create the effect that someone is scratching a vinyl. Did. Disc. Disc. Yeah. You knew it. No, I know. You I had know. it all. Yeah, yeah. Were you, why were you stuttering? Are you okay? <laughs> that was weird. You think this is the biggest Rage song? I think so. I mean, it just feels like when, maybe it's because I was, that's when we were watching the most MTV mm-hmm. and, you know, it was on the radio all the time. It just felt inescapable in like 96, 97. All right, uh, this is our second to last song we're going to listen to. This is Freedom off the... This was off their first album, First right? album. Yes. Rage Against the Machine. Uh, Bulls on Parade was off Evil Empire, their second album. This is a cool song. Yeah, this is very good. This was one that, even though I wasn't a Rage fan in the early mid '90s, this is one I never turned off. I kind of always liked this song when it would come on the radio. It's amazing how many songs you know when right? you uh, go through their catalog. Oh, this part, I remember this part. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, so I think the reason that I loved the Beastie Boys, but I never responded to Rage is because the Beastie Boys were just... Your extreme right-wing leanings? That was mostly it. Because you know those Jews from New York were super Republican. Um, it was that the Beastie Boys were fucking around and Rage Against the Machine were so serious. And there's nothing... I was not serious at all in 1994 or 96 or 99. There was nothing serious about me. They were extremely serious. They were so serious. Like, yeah. I, I remember uh, buddy Eric, who uh, does our Instagram. Eric, um, be honest. I remember Eric, like, having, like, a serious take on Alan Greenspan at some point in, like, 1999 and not having any fucking idea what that meant. <laughs> like, I had no interest in politics or the world around me. So, like, Rage Against the Machine getting angry about everything, I could not relate to it. They were raging, man. They saw into the future, too, man. I was not raging against any machines. Nor should you, Bob. <laughs> you were a college boy just trying to get you nut off. Why is it always that? I mean, I did dig the hole that the women fell through. Ah! It's the 90s. It's not a crime. What? Oh, my Where God. <laughs> so dark. Oh, jeez. Who are you? Who are you? Why is there a bucket hat? Okay, I don't like the way this is going. It's getting dark. Stop. Another one bites the dust. All right. What's well, that, Bob? Did I... Nothing. <laughs> wow. You heard it here first. Bob's a serial killer. <laughs> but he has not been active since 2002. Yep. Speaking of which. The final song and the closer of your big show, Bob, in Baltimore, Killing in the Name of. And this is my favorite rage song. That makes sense. Mostly because of the end of the song, which is just fucking bonkers. But let's listen to this. Oh, yeah, that's great. Name of. Wait, I recognize you. Now Stop she it. can't live. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. So, if you recall, if you recall way back when, like, like 57 minutes ago, mm -hmm. you were hemming and hawing and bitching about doing this, this episode. Mm -hmm. 
And look at you here. Here we are. Here we are at the end. You liked 90% of the music we played tonight. I told you that was never the problem. But here, but it's good. I know that you know that. But like you were dreading it. Now I have to ask you why. Because I've seen you smiling at everything. Not as much as you smiled during Lubega. But like you're just sitting there <laughs> grinning because you, you like this. I'm a little drunk. That helps. Um, no, it's good. I'm glad. I'm fine. It's fine we did it this way. We could have just done the this album, Rage Against the Machine, because this is when all the dirtbags wore the T-shirts with the cover of The Guy on Fire. Yeah, that but I think, see, I think their best album was their last album. Because then this is what you get, Bob. You get Bolt in the Head, Know Your Enemy, Freedom, Killing in the Name, and then we could do the thing at the end of the episode where we say, oh, what are some other Rage songs we like? And then we could tick off Bulls on Parade. Testify, but there's a lot. Testify. Like People of the Sun. I mean, there's a and lot. And we could skip through all the shit, and then we, we feel like we've covered that album. But... It's already over, Bob. It's over. And I'm happy that you wanted to do it this way. I thought, I thought it was This a- is a creative partnership. And um, just take the win, Bob. Take the W. I'm taking the W. I'm doing a victory lap. Do it like Houston Astros style. You know, it's tainted. No, Everybody puts an asterisk next to it. Doesn't matter. But you it's get it. No one's taking away the trophy. Nope. I'm still the MVP, even though I wore a wire. <laughs> I still did it all. I am the El Tuve of the Throwback Podcast, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> hey, can't take it away. Can't take it away. They can try, but they won't. Uh, I want to just um, say, oh, before we get to that point, Bob, let's uh, mention that patreon.com slash throwbackpod if you want to. If you want to vote in polls like this. Vote in polls like this and contribute. It could be as few as $2 a month uh, all the way up the food chain. Uh, and and that's how we love yeah, you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting us, Courtney and Wyatt, and Bruno, the sponsor, our top tier sponsors, and everyone. Two dollars a month, six dollars a month, twelve dollars a month. You guys are the best. Thank you for keeping this going. All right, listen to this shit. This is unbelievable. According to Wikipedia, Bob, written about revolution against institutional racism and police brutality, prescient. Killing in the Name was widely recognized as the band's signature song and has been noted for its distinctive guitar riffs and heavy use of the phrase, fuck you, and here it comes. This is the greatest I don't know if it says it there, but this was also Paul Walker's favorite song. You know, he was listening to it in the Porsche at the time of the... Yes! What the fuck? <laughs> Motherfucker! Killing in the name has been described as a howling, expletive-driven tirade against the ills of American society. The uncensored version contains the word fuck 17 times. You know what else could be described as? The latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist. Wow, Bob. Apologies to everyone, including you who had no say in it. I'm the Altuve. Wow, classic Altuve behavior. But um, sorry if you're playing this playlist in front of your kids. You might have to skip that one. But Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is Mumbo number five. Are you sure? It's your last chance. Can we put on Mumbo number five? No, you can only put on Got a Girl. <laughs> if that's a serious option. <laughs> No, I wouldn't want to do to Rage what we did to Corn. 
They didn't deserve it. They didn't. Well, corn did. Rage well, does corn, not. Well, not even corn deserved what we did to them. They deserve it. They know what they did. <laughs> but you know what? I think we do end the episode with this song. So, Killing in the Name of, now on the Spotify playlist. Okay. There you go. Check it out. Well, it's an Apple Music playlist. There's one of those two, I think. Uh, and we will be back. Two weeks. In two weeks. So, yes. um, make sure you uh, come back and see us again. No. Listen to us. Or listen to Audio us. medium. All right. Uh, like Lou Bega said, don't have any clothes. Liar Steve, if you're <laughs> out there, uh, hit me up. want to know what you've been up to. I want to hear all the shit that you haven't done since last I hope Liar I Steve didn't listen. Because <laughs> you know what Liar Steve would say. It's all I. Go fuck yourself. I got a girl right here. I got a girl right there. And I got a girlfriend everywhere. I got a girl <laughs> This guy has AIDS. <laughs> He's got, he clearly has AIDS. <laughs> <laughs>